That's feel. At home, turn us up. In your car, turn us on. At work, tell others about Talking with Ms. T, the talk show that's giving you trending topics, noted news, interesting interviews, community updates, and so much more. It continues right now. Ms. T. She'll do the talking. All you got to do is be a good listener. Greetings for this meeting of you, the listeners, and the Talking with T team. We are excited and delighted to engage once again as we bring you the latest in trending news, hot topics, interesting interviews, new music, and much more. We chatter about what matters and we keep it real with our spiel. We make it do what it do as we bring it straight to you. It's July 20th, and if today is your birthday, you share it with your birthday mate, Omar Epps. Today on the national calendar is National Lollipop Day. On this date in history, the first Black Power Conference was held in Newark, New Jersey, with over 1,000 in attendance in 1967. The theme this month is The Heat Is On, which is surely fitting as we have faced some scorching hot temperatures. This week, we're going to turn up the heat on our discussion about COVID-19 as we approach the reopening of schools and the mandatory wearing of masks in public places. Later in the show, you'll be fed a lot of food for thought from guests, Chief Medical Officer for the University of Tennessee Medical Center, Dr. Keith Gray, along with community member and anti-masker Rashad Woods, as well as myself, Professor J. and P. I. Pam. Before we get to that, check out these updates. From the last report I read, there are 1,221 active cases in Knox County, with 982 people who have been reported as recovered. The U.S. has had almost 4 million cases with 143,263 deaths. A little over 1,800,000 have recovered and almost 1,950,000 are still active. Knox County Schools plans to reopen on August 17th, giving parents two options. One is to attend school with extra precautions, including students and teachers wearing masks and temperature checks, and the other option is virtual. Many educators feel this is a risk and are anxious about the protection for themselves, their families, and students. Imagine multiple positive cases in one environment that could possibly spread to the families of students, the co-workers of those families, and the families of those co-workers, and it goes on. You can review the full reopening plan for Knox County Schools and find out the answers to many other teachers' questions by visiting TalkingWithT.com. Business owners, church leaders, entrepreneurs, why not build your brand on Talking With T, your urban talk show designed to engage, educate, empower, and encourage. Call today, 865-409-1170 for more details or visit TalkingWithT.com. Keep it where it's at after we hear this track is trending news and hot topics including community conversations and information from our medical expert, Dr. Keith Gray. Let's go back in time When you and I were uncomplicated Go back in time Before I felt what I felt When you did what you did that night 
Welcome back to Talking With Tea, Spilling the Tea. Are you ready for this? All right. So as we continue the debate over whether to mask or not to mask, I have with us today Mr. Rashad Woods, who actually is not a supporter of wearing masks. So first of all, I want to thank you for Talking With Tea and give us a little background or give us some reasons why you don't believe that is necessary for us to wear masks during the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay, thank you for having me. Um, for one, what it's doing, like by having everybody wearing the mask, what it's pretty much doing is, is giving everybody a false sense of hope. Like, you, like you, you have to kind of understand, a virus is a microorganism. There's no way you can protect yourself from a, a, a viral infection from just wearing a mask alone. Like, that's not going to work. And it's given a lot of Americans a false sense of hope. That's probably why it's spreading so much right now, because everybody thinks like, hey, oh, I'll throw on a mask and go in the store around people who's probably, who may be infected. It's not going to work. I mean, the only thing to work that'll, that'll work to keep you from being infected by a virus is to distance yourself from people. Like, you can't be around people. You really can't go outside, because there's no telling where the virus is. Like, you can't see a virus. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, you can't protect yourself from a virus with a mask. And that's like that's pretty much my thing, and it's also it's not going to keep me from getting it. Like if 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 you have COVID and it's in the and it and somehow I come in contact with it, that mask isn't going to stop me from being infected. So I mean, I'll it's, tell it's you really, what, uh, that you're making sense to me. I've heard a lot of arguments against the mask, but your particular argument makes sense, and that people don't take other precautions because they think if I wear the mask, I'm good. Or I'm protecting myself and my family, and there are other things that you need to do. Now, I do believe that wearing a mask helps. That's my, you know, my opinion. And when I look at me, it's playing the odds. But, well, I was just going to say, you know, if you're at risk, you know, if you have a certain level of risk, you know, a 70% risk, if wearing the mask reduces it to 60%, I'm just playing the odds that it's helping a little bit, you know. But I definitely see what you're saying about the false sense of hope because we can see the rapid increase in cases, although more people are wearing them. So that that's something to think about. 
then a lot of times I see people like the people who are wearing them and coming out. Like I say it again, it does not protect you from infection. It protect it protects others from you spreading it. It stops. It's the same thing as putting your hand over your mouth. Like most people suggest, if you sneeze into your arm and in, in, into your arm, it's the same thing as having that mask on. Like there's mm. no protection from that mask. It's a micro microorganisms. That mask has to have holes in it for you. I mean, it has to have, it has to be porous for you to breathe. You wouldn't be able to breathe if it protects you from a virus. Like, and then it, it, it doesn't filter, it doesn't filter the air. It's just a regular old mask. I mean, it protects others, though. I mean, it, it does protect others, but you can protect others just by covering your, your coughs and sneezes. Like, there's no really, there's no real benefit behind it, but it just causes a sit. I mean, they do that so people will feel comfortable and they can open the country back up and get the economy rolling back because money has to be made. But at the end of the day, it's, it's not really, I mean, and then you see the most people who wear it, I mean, most of the people who wearing it are people who have, like, health problems. Like, you mm-hmm. see the older people that's coming out in public wearing them. You see the people who, like, may have immune no, immune deficiency problems. They're the ones who are wearing it faithfully coming out in the public. No, you are the people that don't need to be out. If you catch this disease, you're going to have real problems with it. I mean, you catch this virus, you're going to have real – if you catch the flu and you have an immunodeficiency, you're going to have a real problem with it. So, I mean, it's, it's really giving people, like, a. It, it, it's going to cause more problems than it's going to help. You know what I mean? And then so I understand that, and if I'm understanding you correctly, you aren't suggesting that the COVID isn't real, but that the best practice is social distancing or not coming out? I mean, I think that it's real. It is real. Mm-hmm. It's real. Okay. I mean, it's a real virus. COVID-19 is just a mutation of another coronavirus that's been around forever. Like, coronavirus didn't just hit, hit Earth in right. March or January. Like, they, they mutate just like the the virus. You remember when everybody was dying from H1N1, now we become immune to it. We we don't die. Like, they actually use the H1N1 virus inside of a cell to to vaccinate people, even though I don't believe right. vaccination. But that's what they do because people have people have become immune to it to where it's not just, I mean, a, a weakened form of it won't kill you anymore. It won't kill people with weakened immune systems anymore. Now, this one right here is the same thing. It's just a, I mean, it's just a coronavirus. There's plenty of different types of coronavirus. And SARS was a coronavirus. In fact, this mm-hmm. is a type of SARS. But it, it, like, if I catch SARS, I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to have upper respiratory infection. If my body can't heal up on its own, then I'm going, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a serious, more serious problem. And also they're using fear to try to, like, this is not more dangerous than any other virus. Especially if you're, if you're already compromised, like any virus is dangerous. Like, you know. Well, I tell you what, you. You're making a lot of sense. Uh, listeners, I'm going to give you an opportunity to weigh in on this and those that either share your thoughts or maybe now even enlightened by your thoughts. Next, we're going to have a medical expert, Dr. Keith Gray, who's the director of the University of Tennessee Medical Center, to weigh in. But I appreciate you again talking with T, and I hope you come back and speak with us again. Okay. Thank you for having me on. All right, listeners, as promised, we would bring in the experts. And today I have Dr. Keith Gray, Chief Medical Officer of UT Medical Center. I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with T. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, having me on to have the opportunity to have this dialogue with you. Yes, so right now a lot of us are concerned about COVID-19. We're concerned about strategies that will keep us safe keep our families safe, particularly as we approach the reopening of schools. And right before we're having this conversation, I spoke with a young man 
who actually is anti-mask. And his argument was that the masks give us false hope. So the first thing I'd like to talk to you about and for you to share with our listeners is the idea of masks. How stringent should we be regarding wearing our masks? So the first thing I'll say is, you know, there's a lot of debate about whether COVID-19 is even a real um, threat to our community or not. Mm-hmm. I, I am I, I, I get a chance to, one, uh, see patients that, that have been uh, infected with COVID-19 and see the caregivers that are providing that care and talk to family members whose loved ones have been victims of COVID-19. And I will say uh, that the disease is real. And so you have to believe that it's real in order to even consider mask wearing. So the big question to mask or not to mask, you know, there are arguments for and against. What is your final stance on that? So I am I am for masking, and a lot of folks have a misunderstanding about why to mask. Um, so most people think that I am wearing the mask because I'm trying to protect myself from COVID-19 or from any other virus or infectious process. The reality is is that there are we know that there are asymptomatic carriers of diseases in our community, including COVID-19, and the reason to wear a mask is I may be one of those asymptomatic carriers. And I am trying to protect my neighbor from me. I am trying to protect the transmission of the disease that I might have and I'm not aware of for, and protect you from getting that disease. And so if you think about it from a, from a, from a biblical worldview is I am my brother's keeper. I am the good Samaritan. I'm not worried. I'm not wearing a mask because I'm worried about me. I'm wearing a mask because I'm worried about and I respect you and others in our community who may be vulnerable or others in our community that are not vulnerable, but they may take it home to their vulnerable loved ones because I chose not to wear a mask. And so I have, you know, for those of you that have uh, uh, seen uh, the, the publications and announcements put out by UT Medical Center, you know that we are, we are pro-mask. We believe that our community, if, we, if they participate in mask wearing, that is one of our opportunities to flatten the curve and slow the spread of disease in our community so that we can have a more robust conversation about getting our kids back to school or starting sports or whatever it is that allows us to get back to the life that we were used to four or five months ago. Well, since you brought up school, that's a perfect segue. You know, I am wrestling with the options that are before us, virtual learning versus in-school learning. I really, my son will be a freshman. I really want him to have his freshman experience, but I have some anxiety uh, about sending him to that environment as well. And so just some feedback, just some guidance along those lines as we consider reopening school, what should we think about? Yeah, so I think the two options that are being proposed, or actually there are three, is one is live learning or in-classroom learning like what we're used to. The other option is virtual learning or using uh, your your device at home and the Internet to receive your learning uh, remotely uh, while you're in your home. And, and then the third option is a hybrid option where you kind of can, can do a combination of the two. And so I personally, as, as someone who's stayed in school for a long time and, and is, is I'm really big on ed- education and the value of education for our kids, I do not believe that there is a substitute or an equal substitute for live learning, learning kids in the classroom with teachers getting instruction from 
um, a, an educator that's in the classroom with the kids. Um, they can see the kids' body language. They can listen to the kids' tone, and, and the kids can listen to their tone. And that oftentimes creates educational opportunities that you can't experience from a virtual setting. I realize we have to be safe, and so um, I, I think there are things that we have to do in order for kids to go back to school safely, and you've already alluded, alluded to one of them. One is mask wearing. I think kids and their teachers likely need to be wearing masks when they're in the classroom setting. There needs to be ample social, room for social distancing in the classroom. There needs to be strict hygiene, hand washing when the kids are going to the bathroom, when the kids are eating lunch, or uh, at any time there, need, there, there cannot be an overemphasis on hand washing. I think for where there are high-touch surfaces, um, things that kids are sharing, those, those there needs to be strict hygiene and cleaning of those areas. And when kids are sick, if they even feel sick, think they're sick, they need to stay home. That needs to be a day that they're not in the classroom exposing others uh, to their potential sickness, not necessarily COVID, but for any illness. And so I think I am an advocate for live learning, going back to schools, opening schools back up. I think there are things that I just mentioned that need to happen. And lastly, the last thing I'll say is that as I talk to the community, as, as many of the leaders in our community have heard me say, I would never advocate for anything that I wouldn't do for my own family. And I have five children, and they're all going back to school in different situations, two in college, one in a public high school, and two in private middle school. They're all going back to school. Wow. Okay. So that gives me something to chew on because you're right. If if you say it, and you know you're – a top medical expert in our area, and we appreciate that you've taken time, and not just on this platform. I've heard you on several platforms being willing to share information um, with the community and with those who have questions. But if you're willing to send your kids to school, if it's good enough for you and your kids with your medical expertise, that makes me reconsider those options and keeping in mind those things that you mentioned we need to do to make sure we're safe. So, again, I appreciate all the work that you do. I I appreciate the support, and I appreciate you coming on with this information and talking with T. And, T, I'll leave you with one last thing, uh, as you and I were talking about before we came on the air. You know, we're we're not making – you're not making a commitment that you can't change. If you send your kids back to school and if for some reason you or your kids feel that the environment is not safe, then the virtual option becomes a backup option. But I would encourage parents, if they can, um, to consider the live option uh, if it's available uh, to you. Not every family is created equal. Um, some, mm-hmm. some families can have one or more parents stay home or work at home, and some families can't. But I do want all of our kids to have an equal opportunity to achieve, and I think it, live learning gives them the best opportunity to do that. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Everybody's Talking with T, the talk show designed to engage, educate, empower, and encourage the community is on. WJBE 99.7 FM and 1040 AM, just the best every day. All right, listeners, for this portion of the show, I have with me none other than the know-it-all Professor Jay. And our top investigator, most often instigator, P.I. Pam. As we all know, sadly, trending in the news is that the country is mourning 
over the death of Congressman John Lewis, the last living speaker at the historic March on Washington. Congressman Lewis was a civil rights icon. He fought for equality, equity, and justice for many of his 80 years. He has inspired and influenced a movement that continues today as we all seek to live in an inclusive society that is fair and just for all citizens. So rest in peace. He he lived a long and influential life, and he will be missed. Yes, indeed. And as I was scrolling through uh, Facebook the other, uh, the other day, Oprah Winfrey mentioned that he was known for or that he will be remembered for good trouble, as it were. And Mm -hmm. she mentioned how even in one of the last interviews that he did with her, he sounded really, really weak, but yet she was really grateful to be able to have the opportunity to speak with him. And now, you know, he is with the ancestors, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. Um, This week it was, you know, know, Representative John Lewis and then C.T. Vivian both great American civil rights leaders. So all we can say is job well done from labor to rest, and we'll continue the fight out here. Yeah, we will. Um, in other news, the family of Tamar Braxton is asking for prayers as she was rushed to the hospital following the possible overdose. And the mayor of Louisville is under investigation over the handling of the Breonna Taylor case as her family still seeks justice. Now, our hot topic is around how we are navigating the coronavirus. We've heard from Dr. Gray and Mr. Rashad Woods. And so now it's time for us to weigh in. And I want to know your thoughts from the angle of a parent as well as an educator as we plan to reopen schools. Now, numbers are increasing across the country. Our own area has been identified as a hot spot. 36 athletes and several staff members have tested positive from the campus of the University of Tennessee. CNN reported that full reopening of schools is the highest risk. And Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottom says she's not afraid of the city being sued by Governor Kemp as she looks to mandate masks. So what are your thoughts around this? We talked about to mask or not to mask. And now we're approaching the reopening of schools, and I'm interested in what you have to say. Well, I'm looking at this whole situation from two different perspectives. Number one, as an educator, and number two, as someone who has had a family member and friends who have been affected by Mm COVID-19. And masking I am I am totally in support of it, and needless to say, whenever I'm out and about, which is very rare, anyone who does not have on a mask gets the immediate side eye from me, and I make sure that I have my six feet or more distance from them because, you know, we don't know what they have going on, and clearly they don't care enough about the people around them to have the mask, to put on a mask. And I'm sure that you could possibly debate that last statement, not necessarily you, but anybody could possibly debate that last statement. But in the words of Pam, who do we debate? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Your man. <laughs> oh, that part. 
So, all right, all right. Um, and as I'm looking at it through the lens uh, of an educator, I'm very uneasy about the reopening of schools. And I know down here we have given parents the option to determine whether their students will begin the school year completely virtual or if the students will actually attend school in the building. Math will be required. However, I think there are a lot of loopholes in the uh, different plans that I've seen that don't take into account the fact that if you're mixing virtual and in-person learning, at least the way that virtual learning is supposed to go down here, even the virtual teachers are expected to go into the building. And many of my colleagues that I've spoken to have expressed a similar amount of hesitation, and many of them have even looked into other occupational options that would not put themselves and their family at risk. So, again, they're, they You've got a whole lot of variations of different plans as you look across the state, as you look across the country, and some of them that I've seen seem to be fairly solid and take into account the health and well-being of not just the students, but the faculty and staff members as well. But I hope that many districts will make the decision that is best for all parties involved. Okay, as far as the masks go, I feel like people should wear them. I don't like when people say you're living in fear and you're letting the government control you and you're scared and all this. It's not about that. It's about me caring for myself and as well as others. You know, and if you think a mask is uncomfortable, just imagine how uncomfortable a ventilator will be. That's not only for you, you could easily give it to someone else that may not have such a strong immune system as you. So you have to think about others while you're, while you're wearing the mask. It's just, it's not being scared, it's being caring. And as far as schools, thank God I don't have kids in school anymore, but I would not send mine if I did. Um, for one, I don't see how they're going to be practicing social distancing and, and these kids wearing masks throughout the day. And even if they check their temperature, what if their temperature escalates during the day and no one knows? You know, you may not have it in the morning. And a lot of these younger people that are asymptomatic, they said they don't even have a temperature at all. So there would be no way to guarantee that they were even, even sick. But on the other hand, I get why some parents are sending their kids, especially if they have younger kids and they have to work and they can't stay home or work from home. So it's like a catch-22. I mean, it's hard for everyone, parents, teachers, students, everybody. Yeah, it's a troubling dilemma. And so we have one of our listeners who actually posted some questions on our website. And she asked, who pays for the testing, kind of what Jay was talking about, who pays for the testing when a teacher tests positive and 10 to 20 students have been in contact with him or her? Number two, what happens to the family where that student who's been in contact with that teacher lives? Will they have to be tested and who pays for that? And finally, if, God forbid, someone, a teacher, student, or other worker is infected and passes away, 
who will be there to deal with the emotional and mental anxiety of our students and school workers. So I believe those are all valid questions. And I want you all to consider this scenario. If a teacher is exposed, they can take their sick days, but they will burn those days quickly if they're repeatedly exposed. And the district has already said they can't give unlimited paid days. So if you run out of days, you would then have to take days without pay. If a student has been exposed and is asymptomatic, they could infect a family member or neighbor who in turn would infect others. Once someone tests positive or is exposed, the general expectation is that they quarantine, right? So does that mean that the student's family has to quarantine, causing them to miss work? And does that mean that the people they work with have to quarantine as well? So it's kind of a disturbing cycle and questions to how we navigate all of this is still hanging in the air. Now, I've shared an article on TalkingWithT.com under today's show that answers many of the questions posed by teachers, and some of those answers were not well received but provide clarity. So I encourage you all to check that out. Well, I guess that's it for this bit. We have much more to talk about next week, including the tell-all book from Donald Trump's niece, The Current State of Civil Unrest, and more. And I can't wait to hear what the two of you will have to say. And I can't wait to tell it. And you know I'm going to say it. Don't forget the Laptop Telethon in partnership with WATE, which will benefit students from AE and Fulton as they head toward higher learning. Now more than ever, the tool of a laptop is necessary for success. The Telethon is from 6 a.m. until 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday, July 22nd, on WATE Channel 6. You can also have some fun and contribute by purchasing a ticket to the virtual house party featuring DJ Stir of the Pearl, where you can party with a purpose. Tickets are available on Eventbrite and through the Project Grad Knoxville Facebook page. Well, once again, we've come to the end, but be reminded you can call in with your thoughts and opinions to our talk line. That's 865-409-1170. You can also leave comments on TalkingWithT.com. Share some stories or spill some tea. In the meantime and in between time, engage with us on social media and join our Facebook group, The Tea Room. Stay on top of things by subscribing to Talking With Tea Daily, our online scoop of trending news to find out what we're talking about. Thank you for tuning in to Talking With Tea, your urban talk show. The show designed with you in mind. And we would love to connect with you right now on social media. All things Talking With Tea. And you can listen to the show 24-7, 365 on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. Now on that note, tea will end with a quote. If you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, You have a moral obligation to do something about it. John Lewis Remember where you heard the word. Keep being kind until next time. You've been listening to Talking with Tea.